We're so glad to be here today, together today as we reflect on the powerful, life-changing mes- uh, message that we see in the book of Acts in chapter number 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through verse 13 this morning. And it's a message that reminds us of the vital importance of awakening our affections for God and for His mission on planet Earth today and to allow the Holy Spirit to uh, empower us and to surrender to God's Holy Spirit uh, and to surrender to God's worldwide mission of reaching the lost with the gospel. As Vance Havner, uh, the American revivalist of the first part of the 20th century, once said, he says, we're not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. And in the midst of this modern world, it's easy to lose sight of the spiritual matters that truly matter. Uh, Jonathan Edwards observed this, and I am so sorry this morning, everything is totally messed up today. I used to print everything out, and I didn't today. (laughs) Satan must not want this message preached today. Isn't that right? Surely not today. Uh, Jonathan Edwards once observed during the Great Awakening. He said, how heavy and hard our hearts, we can sit here at the infinite height and length and breadth and love of God and Christ Jesus of giving his infinitely dear Son and yet sit there cold and unmoved. So our challenge this morning is to rekindle our passion for doing the work of God today and to prioritize a missional focus above all else. There's a lot of things that as a church we can be involved in. There are a lot of things that churches today are involved in that does not move the needle forward in terms of kingdom impact. There are a lot of programs that keep people happy. There are a lot of programs that people enjoy that accomplish absolutely nothing for heaven. And there are a lot of things that we may be involved in. And now it doesn't mean that going on vacation, doesn't mean that just having fun with your family, doesn't mean that any of those things are bad things. Matter of fact, we're going to be eating together in a little while. The early church did that. Uh, nothing wrong with that. But all of these things are for the purpose of preparing us to move out and accomplish the mission of God, and that is reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, we see the Holy Spirit descending upon the early church, upon this, this group of believers that Jesus said, just wait in Jerusalem. I've got to go back to the Father, but don't worry, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and He is going to empower you to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem and Samaria, all Judea, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. 
And he empowered the early believers to be heard by everyone there, all of the Jews that had come from all of the, uh, the other countries to come to the day of Pentecost. And because uh, now they were all Jews, but they were all from different countries. And so they all spoke different languages. And so when the Holy Spirit descends upon the early believers, signifying that God had truly, in fact, sent his Holy Spirit to indwell believers, those who trust Christ as their Savior, an interesting thing happened. They began praising God. They began talking about what God had done. And then everyone around began hearing the praises of God in their own language, enabling them, enabling these early believers to communicate the gospel to everyone around them. And now through the power of the Holy Spirit, the early church stood in awe and the world was amazed by it. Let's take a look this morning at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, And they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And... There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, they heard the the sound like a rushing mighty wind, and it drew their attention. And so the whole crowd begins to gather around, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look! Are, the, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, uh, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, <laughs> both Jews and proselytes, those who had come, who, were, uh, who had come and had, in effect, joined, the, uh, joined Judaism. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, <laughs> and we hear them speaking in our own tongues. What were they hearing? The wonderful works of God. So when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, they began talking about the amazing things God has done, and most likely, it, part of that was Jesus dying on the cross in our place. So they were all amazed and perplexed, <clears throat> saying to one another, what in the world is going on? Whatever could this mean? Why is this happening? Now, we'll get into Peter's message in a couple of weeks, but this morning, we need to understand first that it's time for us to reawaken our affections and commit ourselves fully to God's worldwide mission. And that's the mission of reaching the world for Jesus Christ with the gospel. And as we look in Acts chapter 2, we see the priorities of the early church clearly laid out. And the first 
a priority that I see in the early church in Acts chapter 2 is that they spoke boldly about the gospel. <clears throat> they were willing to, to step out of their comfort zone. They were, first of all, excited about Jesus, excited about the gospel, and we speak about that which we are excited. So their first priority was speaking boldly about the gospel. Their second priority was caring sacrificially for one another. <clears throat> we see that when they sold their goods and they pulled their resources together. And everyone that had a need, everyone that lost their job because of their faith, they were able to pull from, uh, from that repository and they were able to get food and they were able to get clothing and they were able to get money uh, when they needed it to pay their bills. And then number three, the third priority was worshiping wholeheartedly in spirit and in truth. They came together and they worshiped God together on a regular basis. And then the fourth thing is multiplying exponentially as the Lord was adding to their number. So we see these four priorities, and we're going to look at them a little bit later this morning. And these priorities led to exponential growth. So when we're speaking out boldly, when we're caring sacrificially for one another, when we're worshiping wholeheartedly, God is going to be adding to our numbers. God is going to be sending souls who trust Christ as their Savior when the church are following these priorities. And they glorified God because of it. And by following the example of the early church, uh, we too can partic participate in this life transforming work of God's mission today. And as David Platt, former pastor of the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, uh, urged us to consider, he said, let us embrace a missional awaking. And as we do that, let's surrender ourselves completely as a body of believers, as individuals, to God's mission of reaching the lost as the most important thing in our lives. Uh, for it's by exalting Christ in our lives and by exalting Christ in our communities that people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and we will, truly, we will experience the true blessings of God in our lives as we are obedient uh, to Him. Now, the driving force behind the early church wasn't a program. Uh, it was the person of Jesus Christ. That's what, the, that's what the driving force was. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a project that they all threw themselves in and said, let's get this done. No, it was Jesus Christ that was the driving force in the early church. Uh, it was Jesus Christ uh, the day of Pentecost through the Holy Spirit that began indwelling them. And it was fueled by the passion for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and the Lion of Judah. And it was a church that exalted the Son of Jesus Christ. And my prayer this morning is God would awaken our passion for accomplishing God's mission, for awakening our affections. And awaken our affections, uh, verse 13, uh, we'll get to, we got to verse 13, others mocking said they're full of new wine. Now we know that that was not the case. But we pray that God would awaken our affections so that we would obey God's Holy Spirit. So a missional awakening, God, awaken our affections, awaken our passion, awaken our uh, fervency so that we begin to obey your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came 
But there were two change there were two major changes. Number one, the spirit would dwell in people from that point forward. It wasn't like the Old Testament where the, the Holy Spirit would come and go. The Holy Spirit would indwell someone for uh, a particular uh, purpose, for them to accomplish something, and then the Holy Spirit would be taken away. No, His presence now would be permanent. And you and I experience that same indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we trusted Christ as our personal Savior. Uh, John, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 14. Uh, verses 16 and 17, remember when Jesus prayed and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot, cannot receive, because neither it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, in verse 5, the Holy Spirit baptized. <coughs> excuse me. He baptized the believers into the body of Christ. And he placed them there into his body, adopting, adopting them. And the Holy Spirit was that seal uh, of approval that God had, had accomplished it. Acts chapter 2 Verse number four, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. So the Holy Spirit filled uh, the believers. The Holy Spirit, verses five through 13, the Holy Spirit spoke through these believers and allowed everyone around them uh, to hear the good things that God had been doing in their own language, in their own tongue. So we ask ourselves the question, why did God do that? Why didn't God just indwell the believers? And nobody would be any the wiser. It would be a personal thing. All of a sudden, somebody would realize something's different in my life. No, God made it an event. God made it a public event. And it was such that everyone around for this great feast would hear in their own language the good things that God was doing. Pentecost, if you think about it, was a temporary reversal of the judgment of the Tower of Babel. You remember that? The Tower of Babel was being created <clears throat> so, so they could all come together, do something that was a, with a, a great purpose, and uh, people were able to understand one another because there was one language. And at the Tower of Babel, God scattered the, uh, everyone by giving them different languages, all of a sudden, miraculously, they began speaking in their own language. And everybody was, uh, if you've ever played that game where someone makes a sound and you have to go find the person that makes your same, the same sound, and, and that, that's exactly the way it happened uh, at the Tower of Babel. All of a sudden, oh, wait, I understand you, come on. And then they under, somebody else understood them. And so, and so they, they all gathered together by language groups. And each language group then went out and went their own way. So that's why we have, that's how the earth was populated after, after the Tower of Babel. It was a scheme designed to praise men and make a name for themselves at this time, but Pentecost brought praise to God. Uh, the Tower of Babel was an act of rebellion, but at Pentecost, it was a ministry where the people, the, those who believed humbly, uh, brought themselves to God. 
Uh, you know, what a, what a contrast between the Tower of Babel and Pentecost. God confused languages, the Tower of Babel, because it was a man thing and it was a matter of pride. On the day of Pentecost, it was a God thing. And God brought the languages back together for, for, uh, for a moment, temporarily, so that everyone would hear in their own language. And I, th- and I think another reason why uh, the, the gift of tongues was given on the day of Pentecost, where everyone heard in their own language, <coughs> was to be able to give the message of salvation to the world so that everyone could hear the gospel uh, quickly, immediately, and without any trouble, everything was in their own language. So if we l- as we look at the book of Acts, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time uh, going verse by verse through uh, the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts, the emphasis throughout the book is on worldwide evangelism. Everything starts in Jerusalem. They go out to Judea. Then they go to Samaria. The gospel goes to Samar- uh, Samaria. And then from Samaria, it goes out, ultimately goes to the Gentiles. <coughs> and so the emphasis on the book of Acts is the spread of the gospel. The spread of the gospel, the, the worldwide evangelism that we saw in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, under the uttermost part of the earth. Henry Martin said this, The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The more intensely... And the nearer we get to him, the the closer we get to Jesus, he said, the more intensely missionary we must become. The closer you grow to Jesus, the more of an evangelist you become. The closer, the more we become like Jesus, the more of a missionary you become to your neighbors and to uh, your community and those around you. So the Holy Spirit, uh, we ask that we have a uh, that God would awaken our passion so we would obey the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables us to experience God's presence. Uh, do you remember Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, where those bones uh, come together and sinews and flesh come upon those bones, and they get up and, and they become alive, and in Verses 13 and 14, God says, I'm going to do the same thing to you, my people. He said, uh, I will breathe life into you through my spirit. And God breathes life into us through his Holy Spirit when we trust Christ. And he makes us a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, What was old, our old life is, is passing away. Or is, is, is gone, and so we are becoming new every single day. So the Holy Spirit allows us to experience God's presence. Because Jesus left. His physical presence left. But he said, I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to give you someone that will pray for you, that will, lift, that will translate your prayers up to the throne of grace when you don't even know how to put your prayer into words. So we can experience God's presence through His Holy Spirit. And then next, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, here, here's, a, here's a news flash. We do not want to obey God other than through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because our flesh, our old person, 
our sinful fleshly nature wants to please whom? <laughs> wants to please us. Wants to obey us. And so by the, God's Holy Spirit being placed within us, God's Holy Spirit allows us, empowers us, enables us to obey God's commands. And so when God says, I want you to do this, the Holy Spirit says, don't worry, I got you. The Holy Spirit enables us to obey God's commands. Uh, the Spirit provides us with wisdom, uh, discernment, uh, strength to live a life that honors God, pleases Him, and to reflect His love to the world around us. Also, not only that, not only obey God's commands, but God's Holy Spirit allows us and enables us and empowers us to fulfill God's purpose. See, God left us on earth for a purpose. God, didn't, God did not leave you on earth to pay taxes. Now, you've got to pay them. Paul tells us in Romans, you know, you've got, you got to do it. God put those people in authority. Uh, that's just the way it is. You know, we've got to render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. We've got to pray for those uh, who are over us. And so we've got to do things. God left us here to populate the earth. God left us here to raise our families, to teach them uh, about God, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those are all things that we are supposed to be doing. Um, but God gave us a major purpose. You know, sometimes... Uh, as as Christians, we tend to think that when we come to church on a regular basis and we live good lives, we teach our families, we raise our families to love God, and we are good people, we think we ought to get a reward for it. Now, you business owners, when, when your employees show up to work on time, do you bring out the, the you pull out the band and you just get, hand out trophies because they showed up on time? Why? Why not? That is just simply what's expected of them. Their purpose is to do what? But now for Mark, I keep looking at Mark because I know he's a business owner. Their purpose is to fix vehicles, right? You guys who work in the plants, the guys that work for you, they're supposed to do whatever it is that they're supposed to do. That's their purpose. Their purpose is not just to show up. You see, when we do all of these things, we're just showing up. God didn't leave us here on earth just to do those things. God left us here on earth for one purpose, and that is to evangelize the world. And everything we do is good, because what happens if they don't show up for work? There's problems. What happens if you don't take care of your family? You're going to have problems. What happens if you don't teach your children right from wrong? If you don't teach your children how to love Jesus? If you don't teach your children how to pray? What's going to happen? Your family's going to have problems. What happens if we, if we don't fellowship together as believers? We're going to have problems. What happens if we don't uh, encourage one another? What happens if we don't use our spiritual gifts? We're going to have problems. So we're expected to do these things. But why do we do these things? We do these things 
in order that we can be equipped to go out and fulfill God's number one mission. And that is that all would come to repentance, that the world would come to know him as their savior. So what happens when the spirit fills the church and when the church is filled with his spirit and is obeying God, when the church is fulfilling God's purpose, the church stands in awe. Everybody who was there on the day of Pentecost the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come. All were in one accord in one place. Remember, we already uh, saw that. They were in the upper room. They were praying together. Uh, then they, they come out to, uh, to enjoy um, the day of Pentecost. Fully come, sound of, from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, filled the whole house. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them, and they all began to speak with the Holy Spirit, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the church just stood in awe of God's Holy Spirit being poured upon them. When the Holy Spirit fills the church, believers are struck with wonder at the mighty works of God. You know, when we see God working in hearts and lives and minds of others around us, it's amazing. When we hear a, a testimony a word of pra a praise that someone says, I prayed and God did this. Well, how does that affect you? They get excited and, and with, with awe and wonder at, the, at the, 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 the majesty of God, the awe-inspiring presence of the Holy Spirit draws us closer to God, deepens our love and our reverence for Him. Not only will the church stand in all when we are fully surrendered to God's Holy Spirit, but the world's going to be amazed too. The world's going to see that something's happening over there at faith. It's not, they're moving. They're not just meeting together. We don't just see a bunch of cars show up and then empty out in an hour, hour and a half. We see stuff going on. Man, they visited us, and they are doing things, and they're talking about God all the time, and and they wanted to know how they could pray for us. Wow, stuff's happening over there. As the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, look at verse number 12. How did the crowd respond when the Holy Spirit filled the church? They began talking about the good things God was doing. Verse 12, they were all amazed. <laughs> Everyone who had come together was perplexed. How is that we're hearing God being praised in our own language. So the world will see the transformation. They'll see the love. They'll see the power that comes from a Holy Spirit-filled life. And I believe that by God's working of His Holy Spirit, they will be drawn to the message of the gospel. Because it's God, gives the it's God that gives the increase. God's the one that moves in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. God is the one that removes the blinders when, uh, he is, uh, when, when, he, when he's drawing someone to him. And then next, or secondly, God awaken our affections so that we surrender to God's worldwide mission. What did Jesus tell his people? Hang around in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. 
What happened on the day of Pentecost? They became his witnesses. What happened every day thereafter? The early church continued to be his witnesses. What happened every day thereafter because the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God to people and shared the gospel daily? People were added to the church daily, such as the Holy Spirit was drawing, were being saved. So 3,000 people in one day came to know Jesus. And then thereafter, the church grew daily. The church grew exponentially because the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, obeyed the Holy Spirit, got on board with God's worldwide mission, and they spread out, and everyone that went back home who knew Jesus shared the gospel wherever they went. Uh, We're we going through the book of Colossians on Sunday evenings. Uh, Epaphroditus, who came to know the Lord because of the Apostle Paul, went back to Colossae, shared the gospel with his family and his friends, started a church in Colossae. And the same in Ephesus, the same everywhere else. People came to know the Lord. They went back home and they shared the gospel on a regular basis, excited, and they surrendered to God's worldwide mission. Acts 42. So we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, We're going to uh, look at Acts 42 to 47 again when we get there. But very quickly, I just want us to look at uh, these purposes that I shared with you a little while ago, speaking boldly, caring sacrificially, worshiping. So verse uh, 42, Acts chapter 2, and they continued, this is the early church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine, fellowshipping with one another, uh, breaking of bread, and in praying, in prayers. Then, because of the early church's surrender to the Holy Spirit, their devotion to God, and their being part of God's worldwide mission, fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Verse 44, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. They sold possessions and goods, divided among them as anyone had need. Now we know uh, elsewhere that they weren't commanded, and not everyone sold everything. It wasn't a commune in the sense that when you come, you just divest yourself of everything you have, and you just share. It wasn't communism. Uh, I think, uh, based upon what, what we, we see from, uh, from Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they could have kept part of the money when they sold their property. The problem was they lied about it. Because they, they were filled with pride, and they wanted to say, oh, yeah, we're taking part, too. Yeah, like, yeah, we, gave, we sold our property, and this is how much we gave. But what they did was they sold it for, for more, and they gave just a little bit, and they lied. So it wasn't communism. Uh, it wasn't a complete sharing of everything. But they, those who had extra sold what they didn't need, and everyone was able to draw from uh, the common pool. And so they... Uh, They sold their possessions and goods, divided among them all. If anyone had a need, that's what they had. If someone had a bigger need, I believe they got a little more. I don't think it was such that, you know, you know what, we're we're, uh, we're 20 of us, and so we all get, you know, such a percentage. I think he says they would divide it as they had need. Uh, The next, verse 46, And continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, Simplicity of heart, in verse number 47, 
They were praising God. And I want you to look at something else. Because they were praising God, because they were so excited, because they were so generous, the world took notice and said, those guys are doing something pretty good. They had favor. The, uh, they had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see the priorities of the early church. I believe that can serve as a blueprint for our very own lives. So let's look at the early church's first priority, speaking boldly. In Acts 2, verse 42, we see what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. So they were speaking, they were preaching boldly about uh, preaching the word of God boldly. So empowered by the Holy Spirit, the apostles spoke the truth. Uh, They preached from the word of God without fear, without reservation. And I think we too need to be be, uh, courageous in sharing uh, the good news with others. So speaking boldly. Next, caring sacrificially. Uh, We see that as well in verse number uh, 42 and and on. uh, Breaking of bread. Prayers, uh, verse 45, sold their possessions and goods, divided among them all as anyone had need. So the early church cared for one another. They weren't just a, a bunch of little islands who met together and went home. If someone had a need, they took care of them. Um, when you hear of something that's going on in someone else's life, do you care enough about them? To do something about it might just be calling them up, texting them, I'm praying for you. Um, it, may, it may be just checking in on them. How are you doing? Uh, we have a help fund. That's our benevolence fund. If anyone here has a need, uh, and I, I will say this, and I, and I think our leaders are going to, um, to, to amen to it. Don't. Allow yourself to get into a bind and have your family go without when the body of Christ is here to take care of that need. Amen? Now, I know that because of our own pride, we don't like necessarily to be helped by others. Because it's almost a, it's almost saying like I can't take care of myself can be nothing farther from the truth. Sometimes medical things happen, and we all know how expensive those things can be. Sometimes an unexpected bill comes in. Sometimes, um, you know, most of us, uh, now, now some of us have some savings, but most of us, you know, it's okay to maybe to replace a tire here and there, but if your whole air conditioning system goes out on your home. We're talking thousands of dollars. Um, Mark, how much does an engine cost to replace? $8,000 or more. If your engine goes out out of warranty, how many of us have just $8,000 lying around to replace an engine? All I'm saying is we, the body of Christ, are here to serve one another. We're here to care for one another. Don't go without. 
We're here. We're here for you. And I know it sounds like a trite saying, but it blesses us more, I believe, to be able to help someone than, uh, than maybe even the one being helped. Now, for those who love to give, those who maybe have the, the, the gift of, uh, of, of giving, uh, it really, it is true. It, it's a blessing to be able to help someone else. The early church cared sacrificially. So we must be willing to sacrifice for the well-being of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then next, we see the, the early church were worshiping wholeheartedly. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. They, verse 46, they were uh, in one accord in the temple. They were still meeting uh, there in, one of the, in the outer court in the temple. As the early church, they didn't have a building yet at that time. And so they were worshiping together wholeheartedly. They gathered to worship together regularly. book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. He says, because things are getting worse, so come together. Uh, the, they also gather together regularly. Acts 2.42, breaking of bread. This is possibly an allusion to the Lord's Supper that they celebrated together. And so they worshiped God together when they, when they partook of the Lord's Supper. So we should also remember to come together and worship our Savior with all of our hearts, remembering His sacrifice for us. And then the next, as we're doing these things, God will multiply. God is going to bring the increase. Uh, daily, uh, people were being saved. Uh, he was... Uh, providing for them. Uh, verse number 47, daily those who were being saved, God was, uh, was providing. As the Holy Spirit was working through the early church, their numbers grew daily. So as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, God's going to give the increase. We're going to see people come uh, to know Jesus, and he will draw others to himself uh, through us. God promises to bless the church, verse 42. I believe God promises to bless the church that works and follows His will. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, they weren't being saved because the church was drawing a crowd. You know, they weren't, they weren't giving pony rides. <laughs> they didn't have bounce houses. No, no, those aren't wrong. I'm just saying they weren't using methods to get people just to come to church, to come to the temple. No, they were living out their lives. They were sharing Jesus as they went to the market. They were sharing Jesus as they went to work. And daily, God was bringing people into, uh, into the body, those who were being saved. The Lord was adding to their numbers. We've got to remember, it's God that brings the increase. Not just because we talk a, a good talk, not because we are eloquent or we can share the gospel really, really well. Uh, we can just be as simple as, you know, God loves you and Jesus died for you. That's the gospel. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead to, 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 sh to prove that God was satisfied. Uh, so as we come to a close, Acts chapter 1, first part of Acts chapter 2, uh, I believe it's clear the Spirit wants this place and he wants the world for Jesus. He wants the world to come to know Christ as their Savior.
The Spirit's passion is to exalt God and is to exalt Christ in the world. That's what we do with our lives. By living a holy life, by being vocal with our faith, God's exalted. And that's what God wants because God wants Jesus exalted. So the question for us as a faith family is whether or not we will wholeheartedly join God in this worldwide mission. Awaken our passions so that we can join together in God's worldwide mission. Will we surrender our lives to the Spirit's leading, devote ourselves to God's worldwide mission of reaching people with the gospel? Uh, let's answer that call, and let's be a part of what God's wanting to do in our world today. Uh, we were, our men were having prayer Saturday morning. We were talking about, you know, there are a lot of ills in this world today. But it's easy for us to focus on the negative things that are going on. The real problem is not a political party. The real problem is not the wickedness in the world today. The real problem is people don't know Jesus as their Savior. It's a sin problem. It's a problem that people that don't know God are going to do what people do that don't know God. It comes naturally. And so... It's our job to share with them the good news that Jesus died for them. It's our job to share with the world the antidote to spiritual death. <laughs> it's the awakening, enlivening power of the Holy Spirit as they trust Jesus as their Savior. So this morning, I trust that you're not trusting in yourself, your good works. I trust that you're not trusting in your church attendance. I trust that you're not trusting in anything other than Jesus alone and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Because on the cross of Calvary, him who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. All of our sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. And for some three hours, God turned his back on his very own son because he could not look upon our sin. Your sin my sin. And when Jesus had fully, completely paid for your sin and mine, satisfied the wrath of God towards sin, paid that substitutionary death, the death that you and I should be experiencing, when Jesus Christ breathed, before he breathed his last, last breath, he said, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for sin. Then he breathed his last breath. He was buried. Third day he rose again. God rose, uh, raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he was satisfied with the payment. That is what you and I trust in for salvation. <laughs> the gospel. God loves us. Jesus died on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, trust, place your full weight upon Whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to the close of, uh, of this message this morning, we stand in awe. <laughs> we stand in awe of your power, your presence, and your purpose for our lives today. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that you have given to us, who ignites our hearts and ignites our wills 
to obey you. And Father, you want to use us, as, use us as your instruments in this world today. I ask, Lord, that you would awaken our affections for you, that we would obey your spirit and would surrender completely and wholeheartedly to your worldwide mission. Father, help us to prioritize a missional focus above all that we do. Help us, Lord, to remember the example of the early church as they spoke boldly the gospel, as they cared sacrificially for one another, as they worshiped wholeheartedly. You bless them by adding daily to their number those who would be saved. So, Father, as we leave this place this morning, may our hearts be filled with a renewed passion uh, for you, for your kingdom. Lord, may our lives be transformed by your Holy Spirit. Give us the courage to speak boldly, uh, the compassion to care sacrificially, the devotion, Father, to worship wholeheartedly, and the faith to share in the mission, to multiply exponentially as the Holy Spirit works in each heart and each mind and as we share your love to those around us. Father, I ask this morning that you would unite us in this purpose, in this mission, and guide us as we work together to exalt Jesus in this faith family, in our lives, and as the world would see, the world would stand in awe, and they would see that you are doing something great. That we wouldn't get the glory, but you would get the glory for it. Father, may your spirit continually fill us, continually renew us, enabling us to be your hands and your feet in the world around us. Father, we ask these things in the mighty, the wonderful name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, as our worship team comes this morning, we ask if our ushers would come this morning would receive our offering we live by faith uh, as we uh, give sacrificially uh, by giving sacrificially that's how we're able to use the resources to accomplish God's mission uh, we have a uh, quite a few things that we uh, we are planning um, Matter of fact, um, I, I, want, I want us to be transparent. So uh, I, probably I, I'm thinking uh, once a quarter or so, we're going to let everyone know what we're doing, what's, what's happening, um, kind of the, the decisions that are being made. Uh, we, we don't want things to be, um, we want things to be, let you know what's, what's going on. Uh, because when we know that something good's coming, we can get excited about it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of things going. As a matter of fact, I uh, had a lot of announcements this morning. Uh, remember tonight, the, those of you who would like to go and fellowship, uh, those of you who may have uh, gone to Camp Pearl as, uh, uh, as, a, as a teenager or as a, as a young child or maybe as an early adult, uh, there are probably going to be people you haven't seen in, in a long time, fellowship with them. Uh, like I said, I do have three Tickets left if you'd like to, uh, to grab those uh, before, you, before we leave today. 
anybody else? Word of praise. Uh, we're going to be uh, moving to the fellowship room to enjoy a meal. Anyone? All right, before um, we sing, I just jumped to the last, your, our, 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 our good, our lively song. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so I'll tell you what, I'll ask, um, Brother Mark, would you pray for us? Would you thank God for the meal? Uh, we'll have that taken care of. And do we have any special way that we, we recommend people going through? I know it might help if we go through this door here and then line up down the hallway for the food. Uh, if you didn't come with food prepared, don't worry. We have extra. We love for you to be, be here with us. All right, brother. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this time that we can join. 